What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals, alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, Alex Van Aken, and today I am joined by the newshound himself, the once and former, once and future informer, Wesley LeBlanc. Hello, Wes. How you doing? Hello, hello. Yeah, I think it's one of those um, future, yeah, well, past, present. You never know, right? Yeah, yeah. You never know. Thanks for being here, Wes. Appreciate you being here. Yeah. Uh, we are also joined by a video game journalist, a former game and former editor, a great friend, John Carson. I'm back, baby. You can't You're keep back. me away. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't keep you away, man. Uh, thanks for being here, John. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you are a very special guest. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm glad we were able to, to, to uh, to hang out at Evo and yeah, dude. together. Yeah. We'll talk about that. We will, uh, rounding out the crew today is a very special guest, uh, from FanBite. Hey. Uh, he's been a friend for a while. Hey. Uh, you know him, you know, the, the FF 14, <laughs> uh, the voice, the authority of FF 14 <laughs> at FanBite. It's, it's Michael Hyam. Hey, what to do, baby? Thanks for having me on. This is this. It's dope to be with the the informers of games. This is this is yes. pretty wild. And uh, I was also kicking it with John and Alex at Evo. Uh, we got a couple drinks. I actually donated a slice of pizza to John. So yeah, you um, did. Uh, I owe you. I think a beer and a pizza. No, Daddy Game Informer cut the check, uh, and <laughs> oh. uh, we'll be good. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, thanks perfect. for the invite, yeah. guys. By the way. Yeah, oh yeah, Wesley. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you, bro. Like, listen, if you, if you come through the next Evo, I got you. I got you a slice of pizza and a drink. I'll remember that. It was great. We all we also had Johnny Rockets at like three a.m. <laughs> yep, was, as you do. Which was a decision not made by us. I don't think. I think it was, that was about Cam Cam that Hawkins all, made an executive Cam. decision. Yeah, that was a choice. Today we're going to be talking about Evo, our time there, the three of us. Um, we're, of course, at the event for the entire duration. We saw a lot of stuff. It was a ton of fun. We're also going to be talking about our Cult of the Lamb review. Uh, Wes was on that for Game Informer this week. And then during the playlist, Digimon Survive and Soul Hackers 2. Uh, but we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, let's get into our Evo recap. Michael, you're the special guest this week. How was your Evo? Was This 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 wasn't your first Evo, right? No, this is my second Evo that I've attended uh, in person, and pff, it just keeps getting or it just keeps getting better. It's my second one. Uh, it was <laughs> even better. I loved what I experienced in 2019, but this was a whole nother level. I think it's because having gone a second time, I know how to navigate the event itself, and because it's more of a, or it's not more of a convention, but it's uh, in addition to a tournament that is also very entertaining. It is a convention and Artist Alley, uh, a bunch of arc- free arcade machines posted up where you can just play anyone who's uh, who's there. So it's like going to an arcade. Side tournaments, merch, uh, vendors, just like a lot of notable people in and around the FGC roaming around. I'm just like dapping everyone up, saying what's up to different like... People I only know through Twitter and then uh, finally linking up and catching up with folks and chopping it up with them. The Evo experience is very, it's a very social one. I think it's more, personally, I think it's more exciting than the other industry events. Not, I mean, not to like say anything particular about 
what the other events offer. It's just that there's constant entertainment at Evo. So, like, mm-hmm. you don't have to seek out the cool stuff. Like, if you go to a PAX, you have to, like, okay, what's the cool stuff I want to check out on the floor? Which games do I have to line up for demos? Where do I find so-and-so at which hall? Whereas Evo, you go there and it's like, hey, listen, top 64s are popping off here. Top 64s are popping off there. The top 8s are in the next hour for this game. So go check it out there. Oh, and you want to play DDR? Go play DDR, which I did for like an hour. (laughs) And it's like, oh, if you want to play like Third Strike at an old cabinet with some stranger, you can do that there. Uh, So it's just all day. like. And Alex, John, you, you know what's up with that because you were there and it's just three full days i felt like after three days i felt like i hadn't done everything i wanted to do just because there's like a lot of overlapping in the schedule in terms of like which games i want to watch yeah i wanted to see grand blue top eight but i had to get dinner because i had been there (laughs) since the morning and uh i just had to skip out on it and now look back like dang i missed out on uh grand blue but overall like evo is so hype those moments being in those in that that arena on day three for the Street oh Fighter Five top eight, bro. Oh, I've never felt that much energy. Like I've been to sports games too. Like I just, listen, that's not, <laughs> nothing compares to to that. Oh, in Evo twenty nineteen, watching Arslan Ash win Tekken uh, in that year, and then watching Idom almost take it after oh. running through some legendary players, Daigo. Gachikun, Tokido, and then almost taking out Kawano for the grand grand finals, making it resetting the bracket, making it through the losers bracket. Just like it was heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, yeah. but like still unforgettable stuff. And you only really get that at Evo, at least at that scale. Because obviously yeah. there's other FGC events like Combo Breaker, mm-hmm. a Capcom World Tour, Arc Revo, but um, something about Evo, it just feels like, oh, this is if you were to go to one. FGC event, this is the one you want to go to. So front to back, awesome event to experience. And yeah, just a lot of great people around, uh, including John Carson, Alex yeah. Franken. We rolled deep yeah. for uh we for did. Days. Wesley, I, I wasn't was expecting the the marathon that this event was. Yes. Oh same. The nine AM to three AMs. <laughs> I, it was a lot of fun, but you gotta take care of yourself, man. It's yeah. easy to just oh shit. It's it's nine p.m. You know I gotta go and and eat lunch. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically because yeah, you want you want to be there for everything that's happening, but you just can't because physically yeah. you can't. Uh, John, how was your show? How did how did you? Enjoy I mean, it? it was it was great. It was exhausting. It was everything that that Michael said. Like everything is so social there, and there's so much going on that it it feels impossible to do everything. Um, so even. Yeah, being on the show floor for three days, two days. I, I guess it was only two days of the show floor, and then the uh, the finals day. I was always finding something new to look at or to play around with or to uh, people to catch up with, and, and not to mention like all the the meetings and interviews and stuff that that Alex and I had to go on. My the weekend was just jam packed and. Uh, a lot of it's a blur, but it's it's easily like the best event that I've been to. It's the most fun that I've had for like a work trip. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it was. Um, there was a lot. We 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 talked to a lot of people. You know, obviously friends and and peers, but also uh, we had a few developer interviews. We talked to the president uh, and CEO of Arc System Works. Um, we talked some to um, a lot of a lot of people, but we talked to IDOM. 
um, before and after. That's going to be a cool video coming up soon. I don't think I was prepared for the uh, the scale of the event. I knew it was big, but when you're in the stadium on the third day, and there's what like I don't know how many how many thousands of people in that event, thousands. Um, yeah, all cheering for two nerds duking it out uh, on <laughs> yeah. on a PS4. It, it was it was it was really cool. And this was this was my first Evo. Uh, I think it was John's as well. And and John is like a seasoned fighting game fan. I am not. I have an appreciation for the competitive spirit of it all. I love competitive games. Um, and I even told Idon this. I was like, hey, you know, I'm not even like a huge FGC guy, but this weekend you put like on such a great show and it's made me a fan. And I think that's my biggest takeaway uh, walking away from Evo this year is like, uh, th- this is definitely not the last time. Like, I would love to go again next year. Hell yeah, uh, let's do it. I've yeah. also been looking up Combo Breaker, and I'm I'm in. Let's I, go to Japan in oh March. God, that would be great. Um, oh, that's that's a great time to visit Japan too. <laughs> I say, I say, mark it down. The guy who's never the guy who's never the been there. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, I just I'm in. I the past three nights or the past two nights since we've been back. Every night I've I've played Guilty Gear. Okay, um, I was gonna ask like, yeah. did you get the yeah. itch to? I've been playing a lot I of did. Melty Blood. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did, and I've been. I oh one thing one thing I guess we gotta say I we we were gifted um a I was gifted a <laughs> the golden a golden fighting stick uh from from uh, Victrix. Victrix. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same one that was presented to the top three competitors in each game. Yeah, over um, you just got you just got one. You just got yeah, one. I got one. I got one with the GI logo uh, engraved on it. Game Informer is placed in the top three, baby. I know the, the top three winners have like the game they competed in engraved. I don't have that. I just have uh, our company logo, which is very cool. Uh, and it was very uh, Daniel Pena uh, over there at Victrix, brother to Danny Pena from Gamertag Radio. Hey. Was was gracious and and in the middle of our in the middle of our appointment. He walks up. He's like, "Hey, man, I got a surprise for you." I'm like, "Uh, what? What's up?" He's like, "We want to give you something." I'm thinking like a swag bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a t-shirt. Here's and a water then, bottle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got a gold fight stick for <laughs> you. Like, I was bam! Like, what? Here's a, here's a four hundred dollar fight stick. Hold that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't even buy this variant. That's also like uh, pretty much priceless because of yeah, how yeah. few there are. Yes, yeah, so that was a really really cool experience, and I've been playing on that. <laughs> the past two nights. Oh, good. Oh, I was snap. gonna ask. That's how's amazing. that going? Yeah. I know, I know you're new to fight sticks. How's that? How's the transition going? It's been going good. So on the plane home, uh, I bought a Wi-Fi pass, as I typically do. Um, and after I was done scrolling Twitter, I pulled up a bunch of articles on Guilty Gear, a bunch of guides, and yep. uh, <laughs> learning my numpad notations. Uh-huh. For a second, uh, I thought well, you were gonna say you. would pulled up the fight stick on the I, I thought he just said <laughs> <that too. laughs> oh my god the, the yeah. poor person next to, i'm already like a big dude and like can you imagine a dude pulling out a fight stick yeah that, that <laughs> fight stick it on my huge. steam deck i know yeah. it is respect though but yeah i've been i've been the transition to fight stick has actually been like pretty good uh i remapped some of the you know some of my bindings mm-hmm. so i've got like uh Fight stick on the left, obviously, and then I've got like my thumb to my ring finger are like the top four buttons. So I remapped the 
mm-hmm. the commands and Guilty Gear, so I've okay. got everything on there. And so far, like, I it's pretty great. I'm really liking it. You sticking with Geo? Yeah, yeah, Giovanna. Okay. okay, cool. Did you like you're learning notation? So you're like, did you already were you already familiar with like one, two, three, four, five as the directions? Yeah. Oh, okay, and then yeah. like A, B, C, and D for the inputs. I don't know A, B, C, and D. I oh, okay. just know the the uh, directions. Oh, okay. Because like yeah. a lot of a lot of Arxis tutorial or I've played Multiblade and Undernight. Yeah, they they go by like the universal notation. So uh, that was one thing I I wasn't familiar with until I got like deep into fighting games like uh, years and years ago. After that, it kind of like opened my eye. I'm like, oh, shit. now, oh, damn, my bad. <laughs> I was like, oh snap, I. I open my third eye. All this stuff makes sense because you watch a lot of fighting game tutorials or just like most games where you look up the the better players who have videos and articles and stuff. They do that where it's like, hey, do the do um, was a two three five B and C. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with that, like that makes absolutely no sense to me. To me, but <laughs> once you kind of get in tune with that, it's like, yo, I have my uh, third eye open, and a lot of this, a lot of this. <laughs> makes sense especially when you you start watching like commentary uh as well it it starts to it starts to all click whereas like you you could watch, probably watch back like some 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 commentary for evo over the weekend and be like uh i don't know what these commentators are saying they're like yo we hit him with the with with the with the down b or like with a 2B or like a, a neutral, like a 5C, the 5C like was Like 2B, wild. what? Is this near? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, what? she's in Soul Calibur. Like, we're not yeah. playing that game. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 kind of cool to be, it's like, yo, I'm in on something. Ooh, I, I know this. <laughs> I'm part of the crew now. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been really fun. I mean, I, I play a ton of FES games. I competed in FES games. I won a Modern Warfare tournament back in 2019. It was one of the Snowbike Mike ones. I, I I hope he brings those back. Those were always <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Uh, bring those back, Mike. But, yes, yeah, so I've always liked competitive games. Like, that's kind of, like, my I would say my main cup of tea is uh, multiplayer shooters. I just, I just, I don't know. I can't get enough. I Even when I'm losing, I feel like I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I relate to fighting games is it's just me, you know? Uh, and every game I, I don't really care if i win or lose in the beginning right now if i can pull off a combo if i can you know you know get my blocks in i kind of like am, am taking wins away each game yeah baby steps it, it, it really is yeah. too because like for me when i started getting really into anime fighters like uh, a lot of the tutorials they're very detailed and very good but if you stare at uh, like a command list it's just it's like just... oh i'm trying to do these inputs the best i can without really trying taking the time to understand like to piece it together, once you start like seeing like, oh, that's like the natural of like doing like a BC jump cancel BC uh, to a throw, like you see it on command list, like yo, that's overwhelming. But in my mind, if I just know like, oh, what I need to do is just uh, do a uh, a BC combo and then jump cancel, like that's I know how to do that. Um, sometimes it's uh, kind of overcomplicates things if you like dedicate yourself to just doing the command list. So, but it takes time. So I. For people yeah. who are, might get frustrated with that sort of thing, it's like, you know, just relax. Kind of understand, like, what in what context are you supposed to be using these moves and how you pull off these moves. And I think it'll start to be a lot more digestible uh, in that sense. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I'm i trying to get the muscle memory down and know that, okay, this finger means this. Mm-hmm, like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to just memorize... Uh, 
kind of like when you're playing guitar like i play music mm-hmm. i don't want to just memorize like a tablature absolutely like where like i want to know the notes and yeah. like what what the sound is when i'm you know pressing something that's a that's a perfect comparison because like i'll look at like a like a tab a tab sheet and in my mind like now that i like i've been playing guitar for a very long time like i know what like a like a G chord to a C to a D. Like I, yeah. you say that to me, I'm like, oh, I know what that is. But you look at a tab, like, okay, wait. Um, okay, like the, the numbers on the frets. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> it's like, just tell me it's G, C, and then D, and then uh, I can I can play that. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's kind of similar. So I'm, I'm having a lot of fun uh, learning, I mean, learning fighting games, period. Like I, mm-hmm. I played Strive when it came out and really enjoyed it. But I kind of put it down, and then of course I've got that post Evo high, uh, <laughs> and really enjoying playing it again. Uh, and cool. with the fight stick, it's it's been cool to learn learn both. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. But there was also a a lot of news that came out of Evo. Uh, you know, typically traditionally, you know, after the tournament or during, you know, the uh, respective publishers of the games will come on stage and. And get people hype. I mean, they've got a crowd of thousands in front of them of their core fans. It's a great time to announce things. And uh, we got several announcements this week. Firstly, we'll get into Tekken news. Uh, there was, you know, there's, there's a Tekken update, a balancing update uh, coming in the uh, in the next week or two. I think it's August 17th. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, at the end of the trailer, they show the the Tekken 1 arcade ending. Uh, where Kazi is throwing Hayachi off the, the the cliff, if you if you're unfamiliar <laughs> yeah. with that, uh, smash put his ass in a similar. volcano. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it transitions to a modern Kazuya, you know, looking all evil and stuff. He smirks, his eye glows, he's doing yeah. Kazuya stuff. And then there's a voiceover that says, "Get ready." And then it ends, and the crowd went absolutely wild. It's like, get ready for what? Yeah, a sequel. Yeah. Uh, I would assume it's a sequel, but I mean, we we don't know. At least publicly, they haven't said anything. But did, are y'all? I mean, I know y'all are Tekken fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, did this do anything for you? This this announcement. I think it's cool that that they're at least teasing it, uh, so people know that they are working on something. Because like. I, I don't think Tekken 7 has had an actual update in like e- a year, year and a half. And now like they're doing this balance update, which is awesome for the longevity of 7. But then having that little teaser for 8 or whatever the next one is, it's a nice uh, gesture to the fans. Yeah. I, I, now that you mentioned, I think the having the, bal- the balance update is probably means that this Tekken 8, let's call it Tekken 8, is... Yeah. Uh, probably a ways away like they wouldn't they wouldn't probably put in a, a balance update if they weren't expecting tekken 7 to come back for like evo next year so i don't think people should expect you know this next tekken to be uh, around anytime soon um of course like it wasn't they, they didn't even show a logo um but uh for me I, i've been saying this quite a bit is that as a long time tekken player tekken 7 it's hard for me like there's a lot of things that they could improve on uh, in terms of like infrastructure quality of life uh, but Tekken at its core feels like uh, I like I don't know where they go from from there in terms of gameplay wise. I, I just feel like Tekken just felt like a very complete and whole game in terms of uh, how it, how it plays and works. And Tekken's like been very consistent through the years. Like you know, like I played T four back in the day, like 
four yeah four was the weird one but like yeah you're right it has been pretty consistent like tekken is tekken like if you if you look between like each street fighter game you can pinpoint like what's new in each one and what's different but for tekken it's very much an evolution of things that have been around since tekken one yeah and so i'm excited to see what they change or how they change up the formula um but I don't know. I I still feel like even though Tekken Seven has been around for about seven years at this point, I still think it has some life left in it. I am excited to see if the balance update kind of shakes anything up competitively. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Also, being stage side for when Me took the the victory in the grand finals, (laughs) I wasn't expecting the smoke, and I had my camera out, (laughs) and it was. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so cinematic!" I was so happy as a video shooter to be stage side for that. It was. It was very hype, and also like me, just totally fed on the crowd's energy. It was was fantastic. Yeah, the the crowd was counting down because Nee won that final round to seal the deal (laughs) uh, through a uh, a timeout. Uh, in the match, so uh, the crowd's chanting 10, 9, Nine. 8. I was like, oh, it's happening. And then at the last second, he does like a rage art and just like, I'm just going to knock you out. Yeah. Done deal. Like, yeah, it's just cool moments like that. Yeah. More news. Uh, Street Fighter 6. We're getting juries returning um, alongside. There's a new character named Kimberly. John, I'm going to go to you for this. Yeah. Um, I don't. Who is Jury? I know. Again, I'm not the biggest fighting game fan. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know this character. Jury's been around since Street Fighter Four. She made an appearance in Street Fighter Five as well. So she's like part of the newer cast, uh, but a fan favorite. Um, she's evil. <laughs> if you couldn't tell from the trailer, uh, yeah. she she was working under M Bison before, but uh, now Bison is gone, and she's kind of working on her own. It seems, but. Her model in this looks jury is always like very stylish and uh like attractive uh but in this like her face just turns to just malicious and like creepy so fast like whatever they're doing with uh with the re engine for this game is is incredible for facial animations I did any of y'all play Yakuza? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because she's yeah, yeah. giving she gives me uh, big Goro Majima energy. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Tongue uh, out. Yeah. I, I love it. Just like sinister, uh, but you know that they're, they're like she, she's she's a cool character, and I love the way that uh, across the board I love what SF Six is doing in terms of how their characters are designed, um, especially with now after after watching the top eight for Street Fighter Five, I'm like wow, Street Fighter Six looks. A million times better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From an art style perspective, especially. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of striking. I've now played Street Fighter Six twice. Played mm-hmm. at SGF and now here, and every time, just like seeing the uh, the drive impacts, like the animation on those, when it kind of like there's like that brief freeze frame, and you've got like the the almost like spray paint look as you like make that contact. Oh, it's so good. I love it so much. Speaking of spray paint, Kimberly was also uh, shown off, who's a brand new character. Uh, she is kind of the replacement for Guy, who's like the ninja character from previous Street Fighter games. Yeah, she looks she looks really cool. She uses like spray paint cans uh, in her arsenal to like, I think she has like a little teleport uh, that uses like a puff of spray paint. Uh, <laughs> that looks really cool. Um, yeah. Her, her uh, super, she's tagging up her opponent and like 
using their head to, I think, dot the I on her name in some graffiti. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, like for yeah, Kim- Kimberly too is a very exciting addition because one, her design, I again like another another uh, feather in the cap for Street Fighter Six uh, during this this kind of pre-release phase is that this again the character designs are looking great and it's really cool to have a black woman as a, a star character in street fighter and i when she the trailer went out uh, a lot of black folks in the game space was praising her design and uh it's really cool to like see, see street fighter um like folks are kind of like saying yeah they they're they're getting it right this is a really exciting addition this is this is really cool and yeah, and just like seeing her gameplay preview, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play Kimberly when yes. that rolls around too. So, um, just like big W's all around for Street Fighter Six so far. Yeah, hell yeah. Moving on, uh, we got a lot of Evo news, but almost through. Uh, there's a new Fatal Fury game. Yeah, this is weird because it, it's not. Well, it's not weird. It's it's actually really cool. There hasn't been a, a Fatal Fury game in, geez, like almost two decades now. Um, I believe the last one was Garo, Mark of, Mark of the Wolves, which was a kind of a sequel to the Fatal Fury series that introduced uh, Rock Howard. Uh, it happened like years after the Fatal Fury games. Um, it kind of established what the new era is. And th- and then uh, that that never got a sequel until now. And so I thought it was so we we interviewed Oda San from uh, from SNK. And afterwards, they they handed us like a gift bag, and in there was a copy of uh, Mark of the Wolves. Um, so I was wondering, like, why that was one of one of the things that was in there, and this was probably why. Yeah, uh, getting this is like if Street Fighter Three got a sequel now, uh, which I guess okay. Five kind of is, but like it's it's like that that weird spinoff, like future, like looking into the future. I don't. I don't know what else to really say about it. But I, I think it's just exciting that they're going to be continuing that series legacy outside of King of Fighters because I think that's where a lot of the attention has kind of gone with SNK recently. Word. Well, moving on. Dragon Ball Fighters coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X and S with rollback. Hey. Finally getting rollback netcode. They announced that at the grand finals <laughs> at 2:30 uh, a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 2:30 a.m. We I were mean, there. The crowd for loved it. it. We were, we were, uh, and uh, people, I think we, on Twitter, Sonic Fox is talking about they're going to main DB fighters again. Uh, several people, several pros announced they're going to be coming back because, uh, I guess my understanding is that the game was, you know, on its way out because there just wasn't, there There's was no a more, rollback and it was kind of dying. Yeah. I guess. No more updates, kind of rough online play, um, especially in today's day and age having uh, like good online play is life or death for a fighting game i think and, yeah definitely uh so many companies are, are moving over to rollback netcode which is just a in, in a in simple terms it's it, it just gives you a better connection over further distances um without like introducing like more lag to the experience so like yeah. your your inputs are, are going in properly and yeah it's it's a different way of syncing uh inputs between two players and yeah like you said like this is a way to like instill life into 
I I hope I hope it does for DB uh, DB fighters. I also hope it works. It brings life to Persona Four Arena. Yes, um, <laughs> across the board, everyone's rolling that back out, and it's it's very <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's dope to see like that. That should be the standard moving forward. And I think that this the excitement that everyone feels when rollback is announced for their favorite yeah. game uh, says a lot about how important it is. And it's such a mundane thing, though. It's like. Oh yeah, hey, we're changing the net code for our online. It's it's the <laughs> dorkiest thing to be excited yeah, for. Crowds like, go oh, let's go, let's go. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of people saying like, DB Fighters like rollback is gonna save that game uh, and kind of cool. ensure yeah. its longevity. Uh, also getting rollback is Samurai Showdown, which came out a few years oh, ago. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, wow. Yeah, twenty nineteen, right? Yeah, and that'll be out next year in twenty twenty three. Cool, cool. Last piece of news that we're going to talk about for Evo. Uh, Bridget is the newest character. Hell yeah. And Guilty Gear, and she's phenomenal. I, I played Jesse, uh, and Jesse was just beating me up with Bridget. Uh, I, I can't wait to buy the DLC. I, she's out now, so if you if you have Guilty Gear Strive, you want to play Bridget, you can buy her for like five ninety nine, or get the I guess get the season pass. Yeah, season um, pass is twenty five, I think, and it should have four characters in it eventually. Okay. Word, word. But Bridget is very much my kind of style of character. I think like very quick, very in your face, but all of her damage is kind of being done while juggling you with like yo yos and. And kind of reeling you in and out, uh, you know, almost like hooking you and pulling you in and just beating you up. Uh, with yeah. you it's very yeah. cool. Have y'all played Bridget yet? I haven't had a chance. I have. Uh, it's so like, got home from the airport. It's like 11 p.m. Sitting around. And I'm like, I should probably do something else, like maybe sleep or something. But I'm going to load up Guilty Gear for a while and start started. I downloaded Bridget, just immediately went into arcade mode, and she's so much fun. I love the momentum that she has. Everything just feels like she's moving forward and, like, getting in the face of the opponent. She's she's super fun. I can't wait to figure out some combos with her and actually start throwing down with, with some of you guys online. Also, I love her design. Uh, yeah. Like, just super cool-looking character. Also... One of the smaller characters, I feel. I was looking, I was watching yeah. the gameplay and seeing her fight like other people. I'm like, oh, dang, like she's got like a pretty small hitbox. Yes, um, standing to like <laughs> Gold Lewis Dickinson is like, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, cool thing about Bridget, too. Uh, so, Bridget's a, a complicated character in the, in the history of Guilty Gear. Um, she was, she was raised as, as a girl, but she was, she was, uh, uh, um, like introduced as a cis gendered male in the earlier guilty gear games but in this one uh weirdly enough like gold lewis helps her realize that she is actually a girl and she wants to identify as a girl like that's the whole arcade mode for her um it's it's i think it's done pretty well like some of these games could kind of ham fist their way through uh through more sensitive subjects like this but uh, I think it does it well enough. And- yeah, it's uh, like like you said. The, I think when the announcement was made, uh, some folks were kind of like, "Oh, how's Arxis going to handle this?" But like, <laughs> yep. Arxis straight up said, "No, she's a trans woman. Mm-hmm. That's and that's that on that." And yep. you, yeah, and you get that through her, uh, her story mode. 
uh, in it. So it's it's nice to see like the developer put their foot down and like people will be like, oh well, it's localization. It's like no, 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 no. It's <laughs> imbe- it's this is there's no ifs or buts about it. This is what Arxis intended lore wise for this character. So yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, transphobes, get out of <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, for real. Yeah. yeah. And John, you said that you mained Bridget in the earlier games. Or? Yeah, it was like one of those characters I just kind of gravitated towards. I like the yo-yo uh, mechanics and gimmicks. It was like it was Bridget and Chip, so it was like the the tricky uh, yo-yo character and the ninja. So uh, <laughs> those were those were my like eighteen year old things that I gravitated towards. But definitely uh, having Bridget back is is a breath of fresh air for me in that game. I feel like there's a lot of characters that I didn't click with before, but like immediately once I started playing Bridget, it was like I I was instinctively just pulling out combos and figuring stuff out on on the fly that I feel like I wasn't able to do with other characters. So yeah, Brid- Bridget's back. Bridget's my main again. Cool. Hell That's yeah, dope. love it. Yeah. Well, that does it for our Evo recap. We've got some cool videos over on the YouTube channel. Uh, live right now is um, John and I went to go see the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 arcade one-up cabinet in a 30th floor hotel suite. Uh, went hands-on with it. We vlogged the whole thing. It's up on the YouTube channel now. Ooh, I want to check that out. Yeah, yeah. YouTube.com slash Game Informer. Uh, and then I've got a larger uh, video feature going up on on Evo itself, Evo returning. Uh, I interviewed a lot of people. And uh, including, you know, competitors, uh, you know, developers. And uh, that is going to be a larger feature I'm uh, editing right now that will probably not go up till early next week. If I'm lucky, it'll go up late this week. But yeah, keep an eye out for that over on the YouTube channel for more Evo goodness. Let's get into our topic of the week. It's all about our Cult of the Lamb review. Uh, Wes, I, I know we've kind of kept you in the dark for a while in terms of Evo. Wes warned me he's not the biggest fighting game fan, but we appreciate you sitting through all that talk. Uh, but we want to hear you talk now, Wes, about Cult of the Lamb, uh, the roguelike, roguelite meets life sim. Yeah, something, something like something that. like that. Yeah. Yes. Also, the Evo talk was awesome. I've always admired Evo from a distance, especially as a Smash Bros. fan. So it kind of sucks that it wasn't there uh, this Agreed. year. But um. Yeah, Evo seems like an amazing event even to go to if you're like not someone who plays fighting games. Yeah, Cult of the Lamb is a great game and it's out today when you're listening to this. You can buy it right now if you're listening to this. I gave it an 8 out of 10 on the site and you can check out my full review there. Um, But yeah, as Alex kind of alluded to, it's Binding of Isaac style roguelike meets Animal Crossing almost. Okay. And... Yeah, it's it's strange, but it works pretty well um, for the most part. Basically, you're going through these four dungeons, each kind of owned or, you know, there's like a god that oversees each one. And your overall goal is to defeat the god at the end of it. Um, And so as you're going through the dungeons, you're doing like some pretty Hades like action combat, you know, rolling around random weapons, random tarot cards that give you um, special bonuses and abilities. You have curses, which are like projectile magic attacks. Um, and you're kind of just going room by room. You don't know what's in the room before you go in there. So each room is like a randomized mystery, basically. Sometimes you can just go into a room and there's 10 chests and you get a bunch of gold or resources for your cult. Other times it will be just filled with enemies. And I found the combat to be great pretty much from start to finish. Uh, it's like a 
12 hour game according to massive monster and devolver digital and i i played it and it took me 19 hours to roll credits and i think that's because i was kind of intent on doing everything like i had never finished a dungeon without going into every single room i could see on the map um, and that's because i really really like this combat it's quick it's fast it's clean um, it feels really good in terms of like vibration on the controller um, i played on steam deck almost primarily and um it runs like a dream on that. And then the other half of the game is on the surface, it looks like Animal Crossing. And my biggest critique with the game is that it's it's kind of propping itself up to be Animal Crossing and that you're building a cult and you have this headquarters. You get to design it and all this kind of stuff. But the game kind of leans more into like a factory-like uh, resource management sim. So I went into this excited to design a cult and make my headquarters feel awesome and and look very Wesley and kind of make it my own thing. But the game has a heavy emphasis on the need for resources and quickly my cult became just like a factory. I was sacrificing followers left and right, murdering ones that got out of line, putting them in prison, feeding some of them poop sometimes. Cause, Damn, dude. Yeah, it's, it, it's a... <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah, it's... It's an interesting like dynamic. It's it's a cute game. It looks like Happy Tree Friends with all the same gore oh, of that yeah, huh. early 2000s cartoon. Mm. But you're like you kind of have to be a bad guy to beat the game. And I guess that's in the name like you're starting a cult. I don't think there's any good cult leaders out there. But yeah, like you are quickly realizing that these followers who you get to name and design are actually just kind of like your units to use how you want. Um, and so the, the, the fun I felt at the prospect of designing my cult and naming my followers and designing them to look like my dog or my cat, or I had one that was my wife, I like quickly disappeared because you soon realize you're going to probably be sacrificing your dog (laughs) or watching them die and then using their meat for meals to feed the other followers. It's, it's a zany game and it really embraces that, but I, my biggest like critique overall is that I it leaned a little too hard into the resource management aspect of running a cult, and I would have liked a little more like creative input, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. But like, what is there works if you go in understanding this is one half roguelite, one li- one half um, resource management, you're gonna have a really really good time. Yeah, I think I've played probably two or three hours of it uh, on my Steam Deck at Evo, actually on the plane to and from. And with yeah, I, I get with the fight stick, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that might actually work. I think it probably would actually. I think I was also expecting more Animal Crossing in terms of the base building and stuff. At least in the early hours, you know, it's very much like, oh, I unlock sleeping bags, and it's and you know, it's you lay down the tile, and I can barely tell that it's a sleeping bag, and there's not really much interaction other than just play place this on, you know. A tile grid and it's just i i was getting the sense that oh this is just like increasing like changing the stats of my base yeah everything goes back into making you have better dungeon runs yeah uh, and i think i was hoping for the opposite where the dungeon runs help me to have a better home or whatever and i and i guess it does but i think i think um the priorities are flipped from what I was expecting, if that makes sense, yeah, um, no, which a, is fine. Really it's just again, you know, kind of changing 
my mindset a bit while I play it. I'm still having a great time. I think it's a really cool little game. Um, I think you mentioned Devolver Digital's publishing this, Massive Monsters developing it. It's on, I think, like everything. Uh, all consoles, I believe, uh, and PC, of course. But yeah, so you see it took you about 20 hours to beat? Yeah, about 20 hours. And I'm on PC, but if this if I had a PlayStation code, I would be platinuming this game um, because I'm very close to having everything unlocked. Uh, so like despite giving it an eight, it's still like a really, really good eight. Like you really get sucked into that loop and I would be playing for hours late into the night when I should be going to sleep. Like it, it nails what it's trying to do. I think it's just, it, it kind of comes off as a different game. And until you get a few hours in and realize what it's trying to do, it might be a little off-putting in that regard. See, I, I, I didn't know that there was the dungeon aspect of it. I thought it was just all like the life sim, like running running a cult situation. So that's actually good good to hear that there's like some action in there. And that's a, a big portion of it. Yeah, it's really good too. And and the game is um hilarious. Probably the funniest game I've played. Uh, the, the kind of anecdote I've been giving people that have asked me about it is, so I named my first followers after my animals, like my two dogs, my cat. And then I named um, the fourth one after my wife. And I was like, oh, cool. I've got my own little family cult thing going on. And, um, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and well, don't say all yet. Uh, they, um, <laughs> my wife's follower ended up being a prankster. And so she would come up to me and be like, you need to prank somebody or I'm going to lose faith in you as a follower. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you need me to do? And her prank was to feed Bonnie, which is my cat in real life, one of my followers who's also a cat in the game, a bowl of poop. And so, oh, yeah, super cute. You go and you go and collect poop that your followers release. Like you have to go and clean it up. Otherwise, it will make people sick and possibly die. Oh, yeah. And then you go and you cook it. You just go cook some poop on your stove and you get a bowl of poop at the end and you feed it to your follower. And she (laughs) made me do that four different times. Like four (laughs) subquests I got was to prank Bonnie by feeding her poop. And it was hilarious every time. And then eventually... (laughs) What happened to Bonnie? uh, Bonnie would get sick every single time. You have like a 75% chance of illness. And so you have to put them into bed, let them rest for a few days, unless you have a healing bay built, which I didn't build till much later. Um, and then the fifth time she asked me to um, prank Bonnie, it was time to to let to let her go. So I gathered the the colt and we sacrificed my wife. <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> fifth, fifth, fifth meal of poop is the charm. Yeah, yeah. Five is too much. Yeah. How did your real wife wife respond to this? At first, she thought it was funny, and then she was confused why she keeps asking Bonnie to eat poop and then she was on board with me sacrificing her it made me stronger <laughs> you know typical cult oh. leader stuff yeah oh yeah really you know fueling the patriarchy yes <laughs> kind of messed up dude this game seems seems very cool i've played all i think it's a two to three hours uh michael have you played this yet i haven't uh i know there's some folks at fanboy.com that's fanboy.com hit video game website who uh, the, I think um, Colin McGregor is kind of, I guess, leading the guides charge on that end. So if, uh, if people end up playing it and need some guidance, uh, fanbike guides are always uh, the right choice, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> yeah. By the way, y'all's Destiny content, Ooh. unrivaled. Unrivaled. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> whenever I have, like, I don't play Destiny 2, but I read a lot of just Destiny 2. Just, like, reading 2. the guides? Yeah. 
weirdly because I'm always on the verge of playing Destiny. Oh too. yeah, okay. And so I'm like, <laughs> all right, I got to get back in. Let me go and like read up. And so like I'll, I'll read like the weapon guides and stuff, and I'm like, okay, like I'm making a mental checklist in my head of like what I need to get <laughs> when I play, oh, and then I, then then I don't play. Yeah, that's just that, sad. That's cool. Oh, <laughs> well, cool. Well, that's Cult of the Lamb. Uh, Wes, anything else you want to say before we move on? Um, it's 30 bucks. I think uh, I would recommend it to anybody that likes either of those aspects of the game. If you like Animal Crossing, give it a go. If you like Satanic Cults and Rituals, give it a go. And if you like Action Combat, give it a go. Word. Well, let's get into the playlist then. Uh, John, we're going to go over to you for yeah. Digimon Survive. Kick us off. Yeah, uh, Digimon Survive is a new strategy or tactical RPG slash visual novel uh that centers around your your favorite digimon you've got your agumons in there uh you got your graymons uh, like all there's there's just a, a bunch of different uh of your I don't know, the the old ass digimon <laughs> that are in there but yeah going into this i expected kind of like a, a more lighthearted thing i know it's called digimon survive and i didn't really consider like how dark this game was gonna get but there's there's a lot of like abuse and emotional agonies that people go through uh throughout the course of this game i'm not finished finished with it yet i am reviewing it for game informer should be uh hopefully up in the next few days but yeah you're you're a group of kids that find themselves like going through this cave and they find the shrine and they believe pass out and they wake up outside this school that looks like the camp that they were supposed to be at and no one's around and the the building just looks like no one's been there for like three decades and these this group of like eight or nine kids are just trying to survive in this world and uh they're accompanied by these uh these digimon uh that show up and they're like hey i just kind of bonded with you you're my person just kind of how how it works with Digimon, I guess. But you are exploring that school and its surrounding lands to try to figure out how to get home, how to survive. Um, and survive is actually a, a really big component of it because a lot of these situations are life or death. And a lot of it hinges on how you communicate with people in your group and how those people communicate with their digimon and how how their relationships are affected there are points where me as as the the main character i have like accepted agumon as my digimon and like that is a partnership uh and there like there's a there's a bond there that's that's strong and i know that that character is there to protect me and whatnot but like all the other characters have their own conflicts and emotions and and whatnot that you have to like dance around and and try to like talk to them to build bonds between those characters that uh can like affect the game down the road it's actually very complex really for like a visual novel yeah i wasn't expecting that yeah a lot of times you're given like dialogue choices of how to move the group forward or how to approach a specific topic with a character um, and that can either build a greater bond with uh, that character, which I, I believe just gives you like some bonuses in the in the strategy RPG portion of it. I know we haven't really talked about that part yet, but yeah, it, like I, I feel like the the biggest 
part about the game is the visual novel aspect and like uh, the core relationships and how you care for the the people in your group and how you deal with the stresses of trying to like everyone there's a teenager everyone's like between the ages of like 11 and 17 or something so no one's like an adult no one knows how to fend for themselves fully and everyone has like their own ideas on what they should do and what they shouldn't do I do have a question. Do you get yeah. to choose your Digimon or are you defaulted to like... You are defaulted. Like Agumon is is going to be your Digimon. Um, okay, but, okay. but what you do within the game, like there's... For, for bigger choices, you have like usually three options. Uh, there's like a morale option, a like a unity option. I can't remember the exact wording for that one. And then a, sure. wrath, a wrathful option. Um, and depending on how you... Uh, make those choices throughout the game will actually change how Agumon uh, digivolves uh, oh, later. Wow, okay. So, and, and that's also like a big cornerstone cornerstone in the story is like how the human's emotions affect the Digimon and can basically doom a person if things get too wild and like if if people start falling into their own despair or their insecurities or their own personal problems uh things have gone south a, a few times for my group and it's uh pretty rough every time it does yeah i've i've heard like it i mean you, you've said so yourself but i've watched cutscenes and stuff of this game i'm not gonna play this yeah. game but i my curiosity was just needing to be satiated and so i was on youtube just watching stuff obviously not gonna spoil anything but i was surprised at like how dark it gets it gets real dark like yeah. there's characters that are like abusing their digimon uh, like physically like hitting them and calling them like pieces of trash and people like separating from the group and not complying with what everyone wants to do or like seeing things like their parent who has been dead for a that's long the time cuts, yeah that's the cutscene. Uh, you saw. saw the reuse the rio stuff then <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah, yeah it, it, like a, a lot of it's pretty disturbing like this is not gonna be a like kids digimon game this is like an adult's digimon game which which is cool, yeah I yeah think. it gets rough it gets uh kind of violent it gets like i said emotionally challenging i guess so is a word to use um going into like quickly the the strategy rpg stuff a lot of that's just it's it's super basic you put you put like your digimon on the battlefield uh, you can move like X amount of spaces. Everything is just like a, on a grid. And a lot of your strategy is just like positioning. So whether you're attacking from like the sides or the back or if the enemy's blocking, there are elemental resistances and strengths and stuff. But like it doesn't really play into the combat that much from what I've uh, what I've played so far. Uh, a lot of it's pretty simple. It's more time-consuming than anything and not really all that fun. But Are, are there consequences to losing fights? Because, I mean, uh, one of my favorite what, like strategy RPGs of all time is uh, the Banner Saga. And, like, you would go into fights in that game. And that's another game that's very dark, you know, dealing with a lot of heavy themes. You would go into, into, into fights in that. And if you didn't play right and if you, or if you lost, like, there was a chance that you know that character would just be completely gone uh is that uh does that play into digimon is there permadeath um, not at all it's really like fights are something to like cap off like something that's happening in the story 
uh, whether it's like the end of a chapter and you have to fight a boss, or you can go into like free battles, which will uh, you can kind of go in whenever and go up against wild Digimon where you can uh, recruit them to be on your team. And doing that's kind of at first, like the uh, mechanic for it is, is kind of interesting. Like you, you have to talk to them. You have, they ask you questions. You have to respond uh, with one of four options. If they like it, it like builds a meter. They don't like it. It like reduces that meter. And once you get it up to like a certain amount, they ask you three questions. You only have three, three chances to get that meter to a certain point. And then if you do, they ask you, what do you want for me? And you can ask them if you want them to join your crew or to give you an item. And there's a percentage chance that they'll join. And I I found that that if that percentage is less than like 50%, they almost like never join you. So it's kind of frustrating because you have to then go into another fight if you want a specific Digimon on, on your team and having to memorize like what the responses are for each of those questions that are three questions pulled from a pool a larger pool of questions so you might not get the same responses every time uh it's it's kind of frustrating and time consuming and in the grand scheme of things you probably at least where i'm at right now you don't really need any of the extra digimon like your what you have in your group of like humans and their partners is enough so yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of disappointed with the whole strategy aspect and group building aspect of it and and more happy with how the visual novel uh, is playing out so far so that's what's keeping me going is the the visual novel side yeah uh michael i know you're a big visual novel uh hell yeah do you have are you digimon dude nope (laughs) fair (laughs) how's that on that I, res- I, res- yeah, I, respect- yeah, yeah, I have yeah. respect for Digimon. I just I watched yeah. like I watched a little bit when I was when I was younger, and I'm like uh, I'm a Pokemon person, so yeah, yeah, it's really it's cool. hit or miss. Yeah, with that with that first series, I know I know some I know some 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 Digimon stands <laughs> in my life, and uh, I hope they're happy. Yeah, I wonder. What, I, I'd love to get like a Pokemon take on this. Also, total side tangent this week. I'm trying to go on all things Nintendo to talk about at the Shea, but have an idea for like a Pokemon city builder uh and i really oh. want to well, like, that sounds, see that come yeah, that to light dope. yeah speaking of you know twists on you know 90s cartoons well cool i digimon survive seems interesting for sure it is i don't know if it's the game for me i i, I don't know what i'm gonna be rating it yet um i know sure. i know like because the tactical portion is is pretty not great that's probably going to lower the score for me. But, like, if you like visual novels, like, this is a, a pretty damn good one <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So, like, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening, interesting choices to make, a lot of difficult relationship aspects to navigate. So, yeah, check it out if you if you like that. But It does seem like the most interesting Digimon thing we've gotten. In yeah. Life, uh, in terms of, like themes and, and all absolutely that. and yeah if, you, if you're looking for something that's a that's a little bit more mature check it out if you're looking for something that's like has the depth of like disgaia or something for a strategy rpg don't don't even do it okay. yeah it's it's <laughs> not it's not worth it if you're if you're looking for that strategy itch like i was it's not it's not there okay good to know uh well people can find your review in the coming days 
in the magazine, maybe too. I believe that uh, was the plan. Well, uh, stay tuned for John's Digimon Survive uh, review. Thanks for sharing your impressions so far, though, John. Uh, let's go over over to Mr. Hyam uh, talking about Soul Hackers too. What what is Soul Hackers? So Soul Hackers is uh, a v- old school spinoff of a spinoff. So let <laughs> listen. If y'all know about Shin Megami Tensei, let me tell let, yeah. let, let me tell you some. So Soul Hackers two is so the original Soul Hackers was a spinoff of Devil Summoner, uh, and Devil Summoner <laughs> is a branch of Shin Megami Tensei. And okay, I wanted to really like Soul Hackers too. Uh, now, granted, this is a preview period. Um, up to what I can talk about, my preview is on fanbyte.com. Uh, I am an I am an SMT and Persona stan. I love the whole SMT line of games. And Shin Megami Tensei Five was one of my favorites from last year. I anyone who knows me knows that I love Persona to death. Um, I have lots of ink done uh in relation to persona and i was reviewed persona 5 uh royal for GameSpot when i was with GameSpot, and i put my whole heart into that like i love smt um so i wanted to i went to soul hackers too wanting to wanting to find find something you know okay this is a sci-fi um cyberpunk take on the whole uh the smt uh lineage but i feel like soul hackers 2 is it feel it feels like I don't want to say cheap. Uh, I don't think that's the right word. <laughs> but it feels it feels small. It feels low budget. Yeah, as if it was you know we just need to put something out there. It feels very basic, uh, and it's it's kind of disappointing to see that the way this game is structured and the kind of the juxtaposition between how it's visually interesting and the, the limited scope of what you can actually do in the game. Like this game looks. Like from an art art style perspective, this game looks dope. It's really nice to when you walk around some of the city and you see the cityscapes and a lot of the visual flourishes of a sci fi cyberpunk world. And like, wow, I really want to know more about this world. I want to explore it. But uh, a lot of the segments in which you can go to different locations and all you really do is go to different shops for items or side quests. So far in the preview period, I can only talk about. Uh, some of its some of its early dungeons uh, and like the intro dungeon is just like some shipyard that's a very basic layout it's just like a flat maze where you fight demons that pop up in the world they're like visual glitches and then they turn into demons uh, like your typical smd smt demons combat's going to be very familiar which is good i love the press turn combat system of course uh, this has some some different mechanics to it which i think are make the make it a lot more active and aggressive than say something like smt5 it's cool like every time you hit a weakness you get what's called a stack and at the end of your turn depending on how much stacks you accumulate uh you do what's uh what's equivalent to an all-out attack in a persona game so uh it encourages you to be aggressive and lay on damage uh and it makes the boss fights it makes boss fights pretty interesting because you have to the bosses hit hard like this game is actually quite difficult in some of the battles so you have to really anticipate and set yourself up to where you're not going to get one-shotted or you're not going to get like knock out multiple teammates after your turn so you need to protect yourself but you also want to make the most of your stacks so 
turn-based combat systems are i think some people feel some some type of way about turn-based combat systems but smt has always been able to incorporate different mechanics that uh, make it more than just like oh i'm gonna hit their weakness i'm gonna target this this enemy or whatever so i think that's fun but everything else around soul hackers too just feels i don't know it's just it, it story-wise i think i wanted it expected more it like really tries hard to kick off try, tries to get you emotionally invested without giving you a reason to be invested in it like they give you all the all these characters uh like tragic backstories but it never builds to it like your intro to these characters are boom tragic backstory now they're your part party member and when i think about why i like other atlas games is because i think that they spend the time to build towards something uh meaningful whereas this game kind of tries it tries too hard to be meaningful in in that regard and i see a lot of potential in it uh because it is centered around adult characters who have adult problems who are caught in like this underworld of demon devil summoning and uh, but it's just the right uh, from a writing perspective it's just very basic it feels like i don't know it feels like something i would have written in high school in oh terms sure of like oh, the, the, yeah. way okay. the way it's dialogue is it just it's it feels like it feels like a first draft that needed to be punched up and you know i'm gonna keep playing it uh, i'm gonna see it through because i do want to cover this game and i and it's an atlas joint so i have to, i have to see it through uh just for the sake of knowing that like hey i actually finished this game i saw everything it had to offer and i can use that perspective when I talk about other RPGs or just other games and just understand where Atlas has been and where, uh, with its various, uh, properties. Uh, but again, that's early on. Uh, it kind of establishes its, uh, stakes quite soon and very fast. So I kind of see, you can see the formula from the early hours, which is cool. Uh, but I just don't think the game like earns its right to be, like this emotional experience or whatever and yeah i don't know it just like the the dungeon design there's something called the soul matrix so there's some social link-esque type things in there where you hang out with some of your party members and then you go into this tartarus style dungeon that's actually a lot less interesting than tartarus if you played persona 3 uh it's just like an empty cyberscape that's laid out like a maze it's like super bare and I'm like, I'm not, this isn't, this isn't pulling me in. You, like, you go through like an, an hour exploring this maze-like space, uh, fighting enemies to make it to an make it to a certain point in there. And then you get a boss fight that reveals like some piece of the character's backstory. And then it's like, oh, I really failed at this part in my life. And then they kind of dance around this kind of piece of their own history but never really get to some like the humanizing aspect just tells you like something tragic happened to me damn you hate to see it you keep it moving (laughs) and uh, i just think it's a it's really really shallow way of expressing these uh characters who i could see a version of this game that really does draw me in but it's not what this is so it um, it sounds like they left a lot of that development in like the persona games where sure like people are actually confronting what has happened to them or what they've done and like owning up to it or getting over it in some way. Is that, is that accurate? Where like they, they just mm-hmm. don't give you that satisfying uh, conclusion to like an arc, an yeah. emotional arc. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Um, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it, it, it is. But I mean, 
I don't know. We'll, we'll the, like the my experience that I've talked about in my preview is only like the first seven to eight hours. And of course, these games are tend to be upwards of uh, 60 hours. I don't think this one is as long as a Persona game. Like it took <laughs> me 125 hours to finish uh, P5R. Oof. And that was the second time I was playing uh, Persona 5. Or that was the third time I was playing Persona 5 uh, in some capacity. But I don't know. Uh, it just, from a gameplay, like the, you could tell like straight from the control scheme, the way the game is styled. Like art style wise is cool, but like everything else around it feels... Yeah, kind of low budget, which is uh, I don't I don't like using that as a descriptor, but I can't I can't I feel like it's the most <laughs> accurate way to to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, there's I mean I'm also juggling Xenoblade Chronicles three, which I think is tremendous, and I'm only like five hours in at this point. Like that's that's a game that establishes emotional stakes extremely well right from the jump. It it's it's it. When I think about Soul Hackers two in, compla- uh, in comparison comparison to Xenoblade Chronicles three, like Xenoblade Chronicles three knows how to establish characters without even saying much. There isn't just like much dialogue, but in terms of like setting up the concepts of its world and showing characters' emotions uh, through just how they emote and their mannerisms and just like the little snippets of dialogue that they say to that that they say to each other paints a very vivid picture of what that game is going for uh, and soul hackers kind of like by comparison like oh, i want to be playing xenoblade chronicles 3 <laughs> uh, and especially coming off of i the somni files nirvana initiative talk about a game that is written extremely well with great characterization and incredible voice acting i guess i'm just like playing other games that have, d- have d- that do those things so much better that when i am when i think about my experience with soul hackers 2 i'm like very disappointed um or i'm like kind of disappointed but you know yeah. again like i said preview sure period, so. sure wes are you uh are you into are you an atlas guy i like the idea of being an atlas guy but i'm 67 <laughs> hours into persona 5 royal and uh i love that game a lot obviously have not beaten it because i don't think you can beat that game in 67 hours i love persona yeah. 4 i stopped at after getting um, Futanaba, I might be saying her name wrong, in Persona 5 Royal, and I felt like that was a good spot to stop. Yeah, yeah, last year. And I was going to go back to it, and then I haven't, um, but I need to. Um, And uh, Soul Hackers 2 kind of was like, I was hoping it was going to scratch the itch, but yeah, previews have kind of um, softened that a bit because Sci-Fi Atlas sounds... Right up my alley. That's like my, right, my yeah. jam. It sounds dope. Yeah, and, and then that's, that's that hurts. Like that's that's part that hurts. I'm like, this is conceptually, this is like a great idea. Just, right. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, gosh, if it got like the the love that a, a game like Persona got, I that would be a mainstay, I think, in gaming. But it's mm-hmm. it kind of sucks to hear that it's not doing it for you. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It might pick up. So don't uh, true yeah, true don't don't uh, don't take my word as a. Uh, also, uh, this is a Game Informer podcast, so Game Informer may have different opinions. Uh, sure, sure. But, I mean, you so. can go to our fanbyte.com for... Hit video game website, fanbyte.com. <laughs> yeah, y'all have the best hand- headlines, by the way. Oh, yeah, because yeah, we, we, don't, we don't care. We can... We, can <laughs> we were talking about that last one. <laughs> was it last episode we were talking it about was, fanbyte? Yeah. We, were, we had a yeah. listener question that was, what's their favorite headlines in gaming? <laughs> yeah. We That's a... Uh, it's a credit. <laughs> I think uh, Ken Shepard is a very good at headlines. So shouts out to oh, yeah. shouts out to him. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get into some housekeeping really quick, and then we're gonna close the show out with. We just got a handful of listener questions. 
Uh, we always start housekeeping off uh, with a podcast review. If you take the time out of your week to go and leave a podcast review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify, we want to say thank you. Uh, this week's podcast review comes from ENT Clark on Apple Podcasts. A five-star review saying, the show that can't be stopped. Man, let, let me tell you, Ian, this show has seen a lot of changes in the last two years. Uh, and I... I guess it can't be stopped. I guess you're right. Ian's review says, I've been a big fan of the GI show and its various iterations for many years. Based on Alex Van Aken's pedigree, we are in good hands for the future. 11 out of 10. Ian, thanks for those kind words. I, I needed to hear though. He's right. I really appreciate it. I hope he's right. Man. I mean, we're, we're only, we're only, I think three episodes in into, into me being host, but you know, we're, we're, we're hanging in there. We're having fun. Uh, we're having great guests on the show. So Ian, thank you for leaving a review. It does help us out uh, and uh, also makes me feel good. So thanks for the kind words, Ian. Uh, I, re- I appreciate it. Moving on to weekly streams, uh, twitch.tv slash Game Informer, 2 p.m. Central on Thursdays and Fridays are typically when we're streaming. I know we're getting um, some new faces set up in, in OBS. Uh, John Woody, our, one of our programmers, he is... Getting ready to, I think, play some FF14 soon. Oh, oh, more Woody content, man. John's yeah. John's so cool. He's got the voice of an angel, man. It's true. Yeah, it's it's. I'm like, why are you a programmer? You should be. We should switch spots. Well, we shouldn't switch spots because the website wouldn't work. I was always bummed that he would always only say like two words during every stand-up. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. Like, what else am I supposed to say? I'm working yeah. on the website. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for keeping things alive for us, John. But uh, but yeah, he's he's going to be streaming more for us soon. Um, he's raised an interest. I think he's streaming in the past, and and Reiner actually was like, "Hey, we should get John on," and I fully agreed. So yeah, hopefully you'll be getting more John Woody content. He said five thousand hours in Final Fantasy fourteen last week. Oh yes, yeah. he loves that game. He is oh, amazing. Invested. Wow. Okay. Well, I have a website for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. I, I bet I bet he reads it. Uh, John Woody's awesome. Yeah, go go and watch him stream some FF14 this week. I'm sure we're going to be streaming a couple other things. I've been it's been a minute since I've been on a stream. Yeah, let's play some Guilty Gear. Oh, that could be good actually. That could be really Hit me good. Up. Yeah, what's today Wednesday? Oh, tomorrow? Ooh. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll make that happen, John. Yeah, let me know. I'll let you know. Uh but yeah, twitch.tv/gameinformer 2 p.m. Central on Thursdays and Fridays. Notable YouTube videos of the week. Go check out our Marvel versus Capcom 2 arcade cabinet. Uh, it's it's kind of like a vlog vlog slash you know video interview kind of with, with inter- John yeah, D yeah it, yeah John D from over at Arcade One Up uh, it, it's it was, it was a fun video to make it was breezy mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to do more of that kind of content on Game Informer it's got a post credit yeah. scene yeah, yeah yeah there is a post credit I scene thought you messed up I'm like why did you leave this in <laughs> <laughs> and no, I'm like oh I, I get it I get it I'm, I gotta fill I gotta fill the minutes I gotta get the ad revenue man. gotta gotta hit that that, that extra ten seconds it's life or death. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go check out that. We've got, uh, I think I'm going to be working on a Cult of the Lamb video review, getting that up before the game's released today. Uh, so yeah, a lot of stuff on the YouTube. Uh, of course, uh, that larger Evo feature, we've got a lot of stuff. I'm going to Gamescom in a couple of weeks. I'm going to London next week, uh, barring a, a negative COVID test. I'm, I feel fine, but you know, safety first. And uh, yeah, so head over to youtube.com slash Game Informer for all of that. Shout out uh, to Michael Hyam for being on the show this week. Of course, go and read all of his work over on fanbite.com. You can also find 
Michael at, at Michael P. Hyam. That's H-I-G-H-A-M on Twitter. Is there anywhere else people should go to follow your work, Michael? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, so fanbuy.com, uh, but if you're looking for the Final Fantasy fourteen coverage in particular, especially because there is a live letter this week, thelinkshell.com is our URL for our Final Fantasy fourteen hub, where it's exclusively the coverage for that. So if you are a Final Fantasy fourteen player, go to thelinkshell.com. That's hit video game website on Final Fantasy fourteen. thelinkshell.com. Uh, but yeah, mostly for me personally, it's on Twitter at Michael PI, where I uh, tweet about a lot of stuff I can't talk about on a on a on a family friendly podcast such as this. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, of course, you can also follow John at John underscore Carson. John, where else should people follow you? Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitch at John Carson Games, and I think that's it. Those are the the two big places right now. Awesome. Also, you you had a great review over on IGN. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yes, uh, my first my yeah my first freelancing gig, uh, Multiverses. Go go read that uh, that review or go watch the video review. I watched it. I'm not gonna lie. Thank you. I watched it, but uh, it was it was very good. I felt like you were like the perfect person to review. That Thank game. you. Yeah, I was. Uh, I kind of lucked into that. The uh, the usual fighting game guys over at IGN were at Comic Con when that beta dropped, so they suggested me. And one of the one of the people that suggested me was Mitchell Saltzman, who we hung hey. out with a bunch this week. Hell yeah! Hey, Shouts out to Mitch. He's awesome. It was great meeting him. Yes, uh, I can't. I think we'll I'm gonna do. get to hang out with him in Germany again. I'm, I'm very excited to to have a new friend. But um, yeah, he was awesome. Uh, of course, you can follow Wesley at LeBlanc Wes on Twitter, uh, and you can follow me at It's Van Aken. Don't forget to go listen to our other podcasts: Video Gameography, our Video Game History podcast, All Things Nintendo, and From Panel to Podcast, which is our comic book podcast hosted by editor in chief Andrew Reiner. Lastly, shout out to Matt Storm. They are our audio editor. Uh, They've been crucial in allowing me to have more bandwidth in my week after, you know, after we've gone down to just having one video editor. So, Matt, thank you very much uh, for all of your help on on editing the podcast. It's been sounding great the last couple weeks. If you want to follow Matt, you can follow them at DJ underscore Stormageddon. You can go and listen to their podcasts, Fun and Games, and their Mass Effect podcast called Reignite. Yeah, let's get into listener emails, and then we're going to close the show out. If you want to be part of listener emails, you can send us an email at podcast at gameinformer.com or subscribe to us on Twitch to get access to our official community Discord. You just have to uh, subscribe one time. It's just kind of a, a paywall of sorts to keep the trolls out uh, to make our space a little, you know, make it more safe. So if you have a Twitch Prime, that also works. Um, and if you have any troubles syncing your Discord with your Twitch, or if you've done that, don't don't. If you have if you have issues syncing Discord and Twitch, contact them. If you've done that <laughs> and you can't get into our server for some reason, you can email me Alex Van Aken at GameInformer.com. Uh, but yeah, this is the part of the show that you influence what we talk about. First question this week comes from Ninja Master Dave. Would be interested to hear about all things Street Fighter. That's the question. That's a big question, Ninja Master Dave. Street Fighter's cool. Uh, did you get to play it, Michael, at uh, Evo? Yeah, I, play, I got hands-on with Street Fighter Six, and I played against the legend, Justin Wong. Wow. I forgot about yeah. that. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. I, uh, I played against Justin Wong. It was funny because uh, Imran, fr- friend of the show, former GI, yeah. uh, Imran Khan, so we worked together, and we had an appointment to get hands-on with uh, Street Fighter Six. pulled up, 
and I saw Justin Wong playing at a cat at, at one of the at one of the stations, and I asked PR. I was like, "Yo, um, can I play against him?" He's like, "He's been here for two hours. He's just probably gonna be here all day. Just ask him. He's pro- he'll, he's probably gonna be cool with this." I was like, "Yo, listen, Justin Wong, big fan. Can you whoop my ass?" Because <laughs> like I'm there to capture gameplay footage, and I'm not great at Street Fighter. So if I could get gameplay of him whooping my ass, I'm like, oh, this mm. is this is better for everyone involved. Uh, and overall, like, I, I like like I said at the top of the show, I guess is Street Fighter Six is a vast improvement from Five in terms of fluidity, in terms of um, it being a lot much more visually interesting game i was playing mostly luke who seems he's like someone who had a wildly problematic pass but you mm-hmm. know what he he's a fun <laughs> character to play and uh, i was messing around with some of his uh command lists some of his inputs and it's uh it's just it flows really well and i just like the vibe and this like the the stages the uh the like the street art uh, along with it, I think it's just like a really good thematic fit for Street Fighter moving forward, and I just, I just like the way it plays. Absolutely, it's so fluid. It's, I mean, as a as somebody who uh, has always dabbled in Street Fighter, um, even like the modern control type has been awesome. Uh, I've had yeah. two sessions with it now at both events, and the modern control type is just really cool for getting in quick. And you know, I don't have, you know, my classic control type commands you know memorized by any means so being able to jump in and you know know have a simpler setup to more so focus on strategy mm-hmm. rather than technicality uh was is has been really fun in just getting into uh, into a match with a friend and both of us being competitive i've really enjoyed it yeah. I, I, I can't wait for street fighter 6 i really enjoyed the whole meter management that you mm-hmm. have to do in that game yeah. like you have your so your drive meter, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that's like sitting it's sitting right below your uh, your health bar, and you have eight segments of it uh, to use, and you use that for like your ex moves for parries. Parrying is really easy in this game. You just hold down two buttons, and it auto parries for you. It's really cool, and that can refill your gauge as well. And then you also have the drive impact, which is kind mm-hmm. of like the what what was it called? Oh, the the focus attacks in, in Street Fighter Four. So they're kind of building off of the last few iterations of Street Fighter, and making it making the system a lot more, I, I think, accessible for new players and pretty complex still for experienced players. It's a lot of fun. I I had a great time getting beat by Alex for about <laughs> half half an hour forty minutes or so. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I I I I'm using modern control type. I'm just like. Holding a couple buttons down, yeah. and which, which is a valid way to play, you know. Oh, totally. Uh, I, sh- I shouldn't discount myself, but no, no, uh, you shouldn't. Uh, but it, like, I tr- I tried the modern controls, and I'm I'm used to having like the six buttons and having to input like my my dragon punch motion and whatnot. And I didn't really like the the modern controls, but uh, I love that it's there for for people who want that easier ramp into it. And then the classic controls are there for people who want to kind of focus on honing their combos and uh, getting more nuance out of their fights. Totally. Well, we'll get to our second question uh, from then Tom was like on discord saying, why don't more fighting games invest in the story? Netherrealm seems to completely own that space. Wes, Wes, I'm going to go to you real quick. I know you, you, me and you both, I feel like are the least 
experienced fighting game players here, yeah. but do you have any favorite fighting game stories from the past? Um, growing up, funny enough, like PS2 era, I was super into Tekken. I want to say Tekken Tag Tournament, whatever one was on PlayStation 2. Yeah, um, Tekken mm-hmm. Tag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved that story mode and played through it like probably once mm-hmm. a week. That was back in the days when like you had like two games and you just played them nonstop for until like the next holiday where you might get a game as a gift. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the specifics of it today because I have not touched that game since the PS2 era, but I always really enjoyed running through that story mode. And Tekken's just kind of like wild overall story-wise. Yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> that was the game with the devil, I believe. Was that his yeah. first appearance as a playable character? I can't remember. But uh, Devil Jin or uh, Devil Kazuya? Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe three. It, uh, it might be. It might be three. I don't. I don't know. It was my first experience Actually. with. Yeah. Uh, it was is wild though. Yeah. Devil so incarnate. You're right yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and then like yeah, as uh, the this person points out, like Nether Realm, you know, Mortal Kombat games have always been especially awesome. I loved Mortal Kombat X. I still got to get around to eleven one day. <sighs> 11 story is good it's like being invested with like the mortal Kombat story since one and like really like the ps2 era solidified it for me like for whatever reason deadly alliance and then deceptions story mode playing having played all of that and then like the reboot in nine the expansion of it in in x and then the conclusion of everything in 11 and like all the callbacks and stuff in 11 it's beautiful. It's it's so good. Yeah, I had I don't have an excuse. I think it's like on it's definitely on Game Pass and I I think it's coming to PS Plus or it might already be there. Like mm. I I just gotta play this game. <laughs> in terms of like why fighting games don't invest in story, it's probably budgetary reasons. Like you have a limited amount of money. I mean Nether Realm has that WB money, yeah. uh, I think. Or they still do. They, and yeah. They have the resources. I've visited Netherrealm and they have like a really dope studio. They have like a mocap studio where they do all, all that stuff. So they have the resources to invest in story. And they do it really well because I think MK11 is kind of like this dark comedy that is really well done. Uh, but like for other games, like again, limited resources. And if they're going to invest a limited budget into something, it's like, well, what's going to sustain our fighting game long term? It's, you know, fight systems, mechanics. Yeah, online characters things yeah. like that and I, I i do really like like blaze cross tag i think persona 4 arena and arena ultimax have some of the some really really good storytelling in the persona universe they are presented visual novel style so there are good fighting game stories out there and i get invested in a lot of the characters from like guilty gear and blaze blue and even like undernight in birth which is just again it's just like straight up like visual novel sequences uh, but they they have a limited capacity to do things like cutscenes or like expansive worlds to explore and so you know they try to do the most with what they can while prioritizing the things that are going to you know you could have a great story in your fighting game but it's never going to make it onto the evo main stage if it's not mechanically sound yeah exactly word well let's get on to uh second to last question from our podcast editor matt storm (laughs) they ask guilty gear strive was handedly the dominant game at evo this year why do you think that is I think the, the the biggest reason was uh, the amount of competitors yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that that entered. I think Guilty Gear, similar to like what Street Fighter Six, I think is going to be. It is. It, I think it's the most approachable fighting game I've played uh, in recent years. Which which is strange for the lineage of Guilty Gear, right? Um, yeah, from from what I've heard, that it was like a huge departure. And I know there's like some you know controversy about it 
for a while, I think that has settled down now and people have realized that the skill ceiling in this game is incredibly high. And, you know, by making the game more approachable for new players, you know, it's not you you can you can have both things, you know, they aren't mutually exclusive. You can have a game that is really complex and deep and also have it so that, you know, new players can more easily pick it up. Uh speaking as somebody who's done that. <laughs> I think this is also the first year that Shrive was mm-hmm. uh, available for Evo at least also right. in, in in a physical capacity, so it yeah. is the one that and it sold extremely well. I think they just announced that they crossed a million uh units sold, so it definitely has the the player base. Uh, and then, like, like I said, like the most entrance, the number of entrants kind of determines where you place in the uh, schedule for Evo. So, most entrants headlining uh, the game that's going to headline the, the the tournament. But yeah, Guilty Guilty Gear has a pretty like strong history, and uh, yeah, and this I think it's probably the best one. I played some Exert, but I do like Strive quite a bit, and I think that's the sentiment all around. I I think Exert and like it the revamp of the visual style uh, really put guilty gear on the map like it still wasn't huge uh because it is a very complex fighting game it is a very it is an anime fighter and it it is still kind of niche but with with strive making those mechanics more approachable while keeping that cool visual style also it just being the newest game that's out there uh that people are excited for i think it helps a lot to make it such a huge game at, at evo the thing that i think really helps the staying power for strive at least in a pandemic era is that it has good net code yeah like people have been able to play online and, mm-hmm. and practice their skills uh with people and hold tournaments online uh and not have to worry about your your connection being like trash um it i it really helps with the longevity of of this game in particular and i think other games are going to have rollback coming up soon Hell yeah. I think also, weirdly, uh, DB Fighters was such a huge game. Uh, you know, it came out a couple of years, a few years beforehand. And I think personally for me, when I heard, oh, this is the, like the next game, you know, this this game is, you know, Arc System Works. Oh, I know that name from DB Fighters. I want to check out their new game. Uh, that was kind of how it was for me. I heard, oh, wow. I heard yeah. two things. I heard the studio that made DB Fighters and I heard Approachable. And I was like, oh, and and then I saw it, and you know the the character designs in Guilty Gear are so cool. Like I think Bonkers. some of the strongest, yeah, yeah ridiculous, <laughs> so cool. And I think it's kind of just like a combination of all of it that made it so so dominant at Evo this year. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the the answer to the question, Matt. Last question comes from former Game Informer show host Alex Stadnik. Who I don't know. Who don't know this is guy. this guy? Must Who? have been a while back. Yeah, Stadnik asks. What was the best meal you had in Vegas? And Wes, I don't know if you've been to Vegas before. I have. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna extend this to you as well, so be thinking. What's the best meal you've had in Vegas? Uh and Alex knew that me and John went in Momofuku. Mm-hmm. Uh did Momofuku change your life? Why didn't you send any to me? <laughs> so well I I'll go ahead and say Momofuku was the best meal I had in Vegas. What is this place? What is Momofuku? It is the restaurant that was started by uh Chef David Chang. He's a big restaurant tour author. Uh I-, I know him from like his TV personality. He's uh he's been in a lot of shows and, and reality shows and yeah. he has a few Netflix uh, shows that you should check out. I think what Ugly Delicious. Ugly Delicious is, is so good. Is is one of his newer ones. Um, Ugly Delicious is, is incredible. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of 
Yeah, I think he was he was on um, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations back in the day. Got dude's kind of been been all over the place, and Momofuku is his uh, high end restaurant in Vegas. It's two Michelin, yeah. yeah, two Michelin stars. Ooh, okay, so it's like fancy yeah. dining. Like you're probably spending a lot. Oh of money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we both got out of there still under a hundred bucks each, but like, well, that's not too bad. Yeah, food, food and drinks was was up there. So, yeah, it's Korean food, very high profile. We went there, and uh, I don't know if you noticed, John. We didn't talk about this. The people sitting next to us, I think, were like influencers or something. Oh, because they just kept bringing dishes out without asking. Oh like, no! They like they're like, and here's our. Like they were essentially the chef was sending dishes to their table. They were they were somebody. The people to my left. <laughs> yeah, to your left. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. I had a incredible duck dish. That was a duck confit. Uh, f- for starters, we had um, pork belly buns. That oh were, yeah, the Those texture on the bun were was was. It's like really, so really smooth good. and like perfect, and it kind of felt like smooth either like dough or play-doh like it didn't feel like play-doh what <laughs> it, well, it didn't feel like it was it didn't feel like a bun like not not that i've like ever had before maybe that's my i i eat a lot of i eat a lot of pork buns fr- and chicken buns yeah uh at a uh, moto i next door oh sure to me. yeah so so good was but, it similar uh, to that then for you for for, for that pork bun the pork bun is definitely is probably the best pork bun I've had. It was incredible. I'm a big fan of like fried chicken and, and buns, and they didn't have that option. Uh, I'm curious because the, the duck was incredible, so I wish I would have been able to taste some some chicken. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great meal. I would would you order, John? I had spicy miso ramen. Um, oh, nice! Which is yeah. very good as well. Um, and I would agree, Momofuku was was my best meal that we had in vegas hands down what about you michael oh well i think the, this chicken salad sandwich i got downstairs from the luxor no uh <laughs> that was that, that was actually hidden the, the johnny rockets pretty, <laughs> you could ask cam about that yeah. uh this tall can of white claw perfect, perfect. the when we we also went to john alex and i and uh, other friends went to gordon ramsay's burger joint oh right yeah that was that was a that was a very good burger. I had a blue cheese. It was yeah. okay. So I've always wondered. You never if like, know. Yeah. I always I was like, is this just is this just a, a gimmick? Mm-hmm. Like, is this really going to be good? You never know with that. It's like, is, is this a tourist trap? Was it a Hell's Kitchen or is it like a different place? It was. It, it was. It was very very good. Uh, I do think that there's a certain there's a ceiling on burgers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it was worth eighteen bucks to me, uh, but I think the, the the skill gap the 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 gap between like something from uh, like a like a, a high-end burger joint from like locally compared to gordon ramsay burger like gordon ramsay's burger is better but i don't know if it's like yo we're in vegas we need to get gordon ramsay burger but i i did enjoy it what was more impressive Come to minneapolis we have two burgers oh. here everybody everybody at gi will always say the parlor burger there's a place down the street from me it's my favorite restaurant in minneapolis called lake and irving it is a Japanese Hawaiian American fusion restaurant. Ooh, sounds amazing. And they have a burger that is the best burger I've ever had in my life. Uh it, it is it it blows the Gordon Ramsay burgers out of the water. Oh wow. Ooh, wow. And it's also hey. like eighteen, nineteen dollars, yeah. something like that. Well, so you go. come to Minneapolis, I'm gonna take you there, and that is a Hell life yeah. changing burger. Let's go. Uh what I was more impressed with was the the Henny Sangria, yo, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there was they had a sangria and there's Hennessy in it, 
And that's like, oh, they made this specifically for me. <laughs> for you. Uh, yeah. I guess also I did try uh, Foggy's. Uh, so we were hanging out with the homie Foggy Bear. And he uh, he ordered this really fancy hot dog. It was like a foot-long hot dog with like eggs, onion strings, all kinds of other stuff on it. And he was just talking up about the like. It's like Part of the 5%. I'm getting, yeah, I'm the 5%. Like, I'm like, because we had, he asked the waitress and, and he was like, how many people actually order the hot dog? She was, she was like, I don't know, like 5% of the people. He was like, oh, I'm part of the 5%. All right, let's go. And he was just like, glizzy gang. Yo, I'm, this This is the best hot dog. Y'all can't, y'all can't, y'all can't mess with me. And I was like, dog, look at this. Look at this glizzy gladiator. <laughs> uh, it was it was a good hot dog. I it was a good dog, know. man. I don't know if it was $18 good. No, but. it looked good. But I, yeah, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't get down with go, going to a burger place and getting a hot dog. I thought about it. I th- I was I wanted to be part of that five percent. I got a stadium hot dog and uh, it's the same size. The it's huge. Same size. Pretty good. Pretty that good. hot dog, man. Also eighteen dollars. Yes. Also eighteen dollars. Yeah. Everything: beers, waters, fries. Eighteen bucks. Wes. Yes. What is your best meal you've had in Vegas, Wes? So I lived in California for the like growing up for the first six or seven years of my yeah, life. Yeah, we're we're talking about Las Vegas. No, though. no, San Diego. So we would go to Las Vegas, uh, like all the. It was like a weekend's drive away. Um, mm-hmm. So my family would go there and just kind of hang out. I don't really know what I was doing. I was like five, going to arcades. Hopefully, maybe. I know we got kicked out of Treasure Island once because my aunt let me pull a slot machine. Um, yeah. To do that. Hell yeah. All I remember, I don't remember specific places, but like the uh, the main, you know, marquee hotel buffets, amazing. Just like. They have all the food ever made in the world, like on a buffet, and you can just get as much of it. I just remember getting like, an, like a wild amount of crab, like just plates of crab legs. And I don't know if they do buffets in Las Vegas anymore. Probably not with COVID. They but do. They do. And they I do. Would, um, probably smash. Them Vegas is still. lawless. Yeah. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> awesome. Well. Uh, that's going to be it for the show this week. Um, of course, head over to GameInformer.com for all the previews, features, news, reviews. We've got a we got a new cover story coming up here oh, soon yeah. in the coming Ooh. weeks, so stay tuned. It's going to be a good one, but uh, we'll have more on that in the coming weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, head over to Fanbyte.com. Yeah. Check out all of the work that Michael does. TheLinkShell.com, yep. right? as yep. well that is that uh, is for the all the band. final fantasy stuff mm-hmm. uh what where else point people to to all the places where can they follow you uh again they can follow me at michael p Hyam on twitter and uh you should maybe follow at fanbyte media if you want to keep up with fanbyte through twitter um don't hit up my instagram i don't post on instagram um hit up my cash app uh, oh hell yeah, yeah. Hit, hit it up with cash some app. cash mm-hmm. dollar sign broke boy 69 and send me a couple bucks <laughs> Uh, John, how about you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Carson uh, and on Twitch at John Carson Games. And sometimes, I guess, uh, you can find my written content uh, as, as I freelance for IGN and Game Informer, if you've heard of that place. I have once or twice. That's going to do it for the show this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, uh, you guys, for being here, mm-hmm. being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll talk to you in the next one. Peace. Bye. 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 Bye.